Up until recently, most people probably weren't familiar with the name Haim Ashed. Today, he's a university professor and author, but in recent decades, Ashed has been an important figure in the Middle East. A general in the Israeli military, the 87-year-old formerly oversaw space security for the country, which is known for its elite technology and its renowned intelligence-gathering abilities. For decades, Ashed has been a respected figure in the world of security. In fact, he was given the Israel Defense Award on three different occasions. That's a significant honor bestowed personally by the President of Israel. In other words, he's largely been seen as a credible figure in the world of security, defense, and space. That's why what he said in a recent interview that went viral is so surprising. He's one of a handful of prominent former military and government officials to claim that there are forces at work in our world that high-powered people know about, but are so profound that if they made their way to the public, it would reshape our understanding of not only missing people, but our understanding of the universe itself. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm a writer, a journalist, and a podcaster. And this is Hiding Something. Chapter 8. Finale The former general recently sat down for an interview with an Israeli newspaper. During the conversation, he casually said that the governments of Israel and the United States have been long in contact with intelligent extraterrestrials. In fact, Ashed claims that a sort of alliance was formed with what he called the Galactic Federation. He even claimed that this quote-unquote federation was operating a secret underground base on Mars. He claims that this information is being withheld from the public because the alien officials say that humanity simply isn't ready to hear it. It's a pretty crazy story, and the news went through a really interesting life cycle. After being picked up by the more widely read Jerusalem Post, the words Galactic Federation started trending on Twitter. From there, it was picked up by outlets around the world. Unsurprisingly, as the story picked up more and more attention, it went from being an interesting, offbeat conversation with a former security official to becoming the punchline for memes and Twitter one-liners. Not long after that, the story completed its cycle of viral attention, ending up in the monologues of late-night shows. Here's Jimmy Kimmel. For years, Chaim Eshed is a retired general and a well-respected professor in Israel, or at least he was before he said this. He <laughs> claims that these extraterrestrial beings come in peace. He says they're curious about humanity and they're seeking to understand both the fabric of the universe and uh, cotton, the fabric of our lives. And Eshed claims the president knows about this and was about to spill the beans, but was asked not to in order to prevent mass hysteria, because the last thing Donald Trump would ever want to create is mass hysteria. But I don't know, if, if this was true, he, Trump definitely would have talked about it. Or at the very least, he would have done that thing where he dances around it because he's dying to brag that he knows something that we don't. Do I know about aliens? Nobody knows more about aliens than me. Does that mean I've seen them? Who knows? We'll be making a very big announcement very soon, believe me. And here's the thing about the story's trajectory. A lot of the Galactic Federation jokes were pretty funny. Seriously, punch the term into Twitter. Some of the memes generally made me laugh. I mean, the whole idea just sounds so crazy that it's easier just to dismiss it outright and make lighthearted jokes about it than it is to actually take the substance of it seriously. Ashed is 87 years old, and he's preparing to release a book about his ideas, so it's kind of unclear how affected he is by all this attention and the goofy jokes being made at his expense. 
But if his goals were to drum up publicity for the universe beyond the horizon, that's the name of his upcoming book, then I have to imagine he's at least somewhat pleased. But you could also understand why he waited so long to discuss his ideas. Presumably, these are secrets he's carried for years, if not decades. And look, no one, not even a distinguished security official looking to sell some books, likes being the laughing stock of the internet, even if the jokes are pretty lighthearted. But at least for his ego's sake, Ashed isn't alone. He's actually the latest in a pretty long line of former space officials who've spoken publicly about their ideas about intelligent extraterrestrial life. I will now call to the podium uh, uh, a distinguished American, a, a man who uh, is, in fact, someone who has the right stuff, which includes uh, a doctorate in aeronautics and astronautics from MIT, selection to the NASA Apollo program. That's a clip from a press conference held by an organization called Paradigm Research Group, introducing to the stage a man named Edgar Mitchell. There's a chance you may have heard of him. Mitchell was the sixth man to walk on the surface of the moon, and he was one of NASA's most decorated astronauts, receiving both the NASA Distinguished Service Medal and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Again, those are both really, really big deals. Here he is again. And I urge that those who are doubtful read the books, read the lore, and start to understand what has really been going on, because there is no doubt we are being visited. And as a person who is a part of the first generation of being a spacefarer of our civilization and having gone to the moon, and realizing that I do and many of us do now, that have seen the Hubble pictures from space, the universe that we live in is much more wondrous, exciting, complex, and far-reaching than we were ever able to know up to this point in time. Now, I want to play another clip. This one's from Buzz Aldrin, who, along with being the second person to walk on the surface of the moon, also holds a doctorate from MIT. Aldrin is an American icon, and he's one of the most renowned astronauts of all time. But back in 2009, he was a guest on C-SPAN discussing the wonders of space when he said something that, frankly, was kind of surprising. We should go boldly where man has not gone before. Fly by the comets, visit asteroids, visit the moon of Mars. There's a monolith there, a very unusual structure on this little potato-shaped object that, that goes around Mars once in seven hours. When people find out about that, they're going to say, who put that there? He's referring to an odd structure on the Martian moon of Phobos that honestly, in satellite images, does look like the monolith found in the Utah desert that we discussed a few episodes back. Now, the scientific consensus seems to be that this monolith is actually just some sort of naturally occurring boulder or space degree, but to be honest, no one is quite sure what it is. And it really does look like some sort of carefully designed structure in some of the images. Then there's the case of Michael Collins. Last year, the astronaut who served in the Apollo 11 mission caused a minor media stir when he said that he too believed in aliens when asked on Twitter, do you believe in life outside of Earth? His answer simply was yes, with no further explanation. Now, that's somewhat interesting, but wait till you hear about this next one. In a Twitter exchange with a UFO writer, another NASA astronaut named Leland Melvin went even further when asked about his thoughts on intelligent extraterrestrial life. His account is honestly kind of creepy. On Twitter, responding to a question about aliens, he wrote, quote, I have not seen one in space or on the ground, 
but I thought I saw something organic-slash-alien-like floating out of the payload bay, end quote. He said that he and a fellow astronaut, quote, called the ground to ask what it could be, and they told him, quote, ice had broken off the Freon hoses, end quote. However, Melvin added, translucent, curved, organic-looking, and punctuated the comment with an emoji of an alien head. If you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, then you probably know why we're talking about this. The recent news of the former Israeli general also caught the attention of David Polites, who tweeted a link to the story, adding this, There are many significant ramifications if this can be proven. Okay, I want to dig into those, quote, ramifications. But first, there's one element of the story that's been somewhat overlooked. It's a quote from Meshed, providing some context for his claims. He said this, quote, There's an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here. They, too, are researching and trying to understand the whole fabric of the universe, and they want us as helpers. I want to read one part of that again, that having spoken to a lot of people in the missing 411 orbit and having read a lot of their theories really jumped out in an eerie way. He said, they signed a contract to do experiments here. Now, David Polites himself isn't one to openly speculate, and he's very coy about what his actual theories and beliefs are. But after reading a ton of his work and listening to hours of his videos and interviews, I don't think it's totally unfair to speculate that he thinks all of this could be linked. His Bigfoot research, his curiosity about places like Skinwalker Ranch, his ominous tweets about aliens, and his dedication to documenting strange cases of people who go missing in the wild all seem to be somewhat connected. Though a full understanding of that connection always seems to be just out of reach, Pilates will frequently talk about the bodies of missing people that have been found that show evidence of being, quote, dropped from the sky. He talks about strange lights that appear in the woods in areas where people have vanished. He sometimes says the words, quote, they, when talking about whatever is causing people to go missing. And though his philosophical elusiveness can be frustrating, I can also see why he seems more comfortable implying the link than coming right out and saying it. In his interview with Israeli media, Ashed said, quote, if I had come up with what I'm saying five years ago, I would have been hospitalized, end quote. He continued, quote, I have nothing to lose. I've received my degrees and awards. I'm respected in universities abroad, where the trend is also changing. Honestly, I think he's only partially right here. I think the, quote, trend he's referring to is changing, but I don't necessarily think it's in the way he's suggesting. In some ways, people are more open to these kind of ideas than ever. In other ways, it's never been more dangerous to talk about them. At the beginning of this podcast, I explained that I was interested in objectively investigating two mysteries. What was actually behind the missing 411 phenomenon and the strange circumstances David Pilates documents, and two, in the age of the internet, what causes people to believe the things that they do. Let's start with the first mystery, the one about what's behind this whole missing 411 thing. This is the final episode of the season, and as much as I want there to be a big payoff and solve the mystery of countless disappearances in the wild, I'm not sure there is just one single answer. And, in a way, that's even kind of scarier than a singular theory that ties everything together. Personally, I'm just not convinced anything paranormal is definitely happening out there. What I do think is that the wilderness is dangerous, and when people become lost, they behave in strange ways. I think that because of a variety of reasons, ranging from mental health, criminality, or even just recklessness, sometimes people are drawn to the wilderness and do strange things. When we only have the remnants of what they left behind, or just a few clues about what led them to disappear, it's easy to let our imaginations run away with us. I also think that space is vast, and we're only beginning to understand its depths and what else might be out there. 
But I've also tried to understand what Polites thinks and what is truly at the core of the growing Missing 411 movement. For the record, I've reached out to Polites numerous times to come on this show, but I never heard back. So look, I don't want this to be interpreted that I'm putting words into his mouth or trying to misrepresent him, but this is what I think he's ultimately suggesting. Again, this is my interpretation based on listening to a ton of his videos and interviews and reading a lot of his work. I think he's suggesting that many of the people who vanished under unexplainable circumstances were either abducted or somehow slipped into some sort of other dimension. Aliens, interdimensional creatures that resemble Bigfoot are responsible and want to conduct some sort of research on people. I think he believes that these alleged beings may or may not be working with secret government programs, like the kinds that were being conducted at Skinwalker Ranch, and all of this is being kept secret from the public by government agencies like the National Park Service. Again, this is just my interpretation of what many in the Missing 411 community believe, and I totally acknowledge I could be wrong about that. But even though I personally don't believe anything paranormal is going on, in fairness to Polites and his fans, a lot of the cases, like the ones we discuss on the show, simply aren't explainable. Frankly, I can't explain those sounds Ron Moorhead recorded in the forest. I don't know what was following that helicopter pilot's aircraft that strange night over the desert in Utah. I don't know why those kids we discussed early in the season said that some sort of bear creature helped them when they became lost in the woods. I don't have all the answers, but I'm okay with that. I think it's okay to have questions. Now, I want to discuss the second mystery at the core of this season of Hiding Something. How has the internet shaped the way we interpret information, think about facts, and determine what is true? This season was conceived of, written, and recorded in 2020, a time when social media was flooded with a variety of conspiracy theories about the pandemic, vaccines, election fraud, politics, and a bunch of other stuff. These weren't the sort of creepy, X-Files-style conspiracy theories that are honestly sometimes fun to think about. These were dangerous. These were the type of conspiracies that can really hurt people. I saw people I knew really well and people that I trusted post things that were not only unfounded, but they were also openly hostile to people who thought differently from them. And that's kind of scary. But honestly, I think that kind of behavior is a mystery that's a little bit easier to solve. As we've explored this season, the internet allows people to lean into confirmation biases, to form echo chambers, and to inflame our most volatile emotions. Facts inform what we believe to be true, but in the age of social media, facts are no longer synonymous with truth. People, ultimately, will believe what they decide to be true, even if the facts say otherwise. Logical people can see the same set of facts and come to very different conclusions about what the truth actually is. That's just human nature. The internet just empowers that impulse. I don't think the danger is always just in believing the seemingly outrageous things. I think it's being defensive, or even worse, dismissive, when faced with ideas that are different from our own. Ultimately, that doesn't challenge other ideas. It further entrenches people in their own beliefs. It's easy to tell people what you think. It's a lot harder to listen to not just what they think, but why they think that way. The stories that we've heard on this podcast are chilling, confusing, and some are downright confounding. And the more you learn about them and the circumstances that seem to be related, the more you can at least understand why people believe what they do, even if you don't share their exact beliefs. Listening has a tendency to humanize people you don't understand. Even if you're skeptical about aliens, Bigfoot, and government cover-ups, figuring out why people talk about them not only helps you better understand their ideas, it better helps you understand them as people. The week I recorded this final episode, David Polites released another video to his Can-Am Missing Project YouTube page. It was about the strange circumstances surrounding the disappearances of three physicians in the forest. Like a lot of his videos, it was a fascinating watch. But there was something about the way the video started that just seemed kind of off. 
Polites, he kind of seemed shaken. He seemed emotional. There were times where his voice seemed to quiver. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Dave Politis, Canon Missing Project, copyrighted edition for our YouTube page, and I'm back at you again. And uh, thank you very much for uh, the kind, kind response you guys have given to the missing people uh, that I've put up here. Yes, it does bother me a lot. It does affect me a lot. And uh, I do have some definite downer times. So, uh, your comments are greatly appreciated on our site and pushing this site out to people so that they can understand what's happening and the lack of understanding with missing people. Huge issue to me, huge. Toward the end of the video, Polites shifts and he starts to talk about something that honestly most of us can probably relate to at this point, how draining it is to dive into social media comments. So we're gonna try something different right now. And that is, since we're near the end of the video, a lot of you have said, hey Dave, just turn the comments section off and don't let people post nasty things. Well, up until right now, I have personally gone through every one of those comments, read them, and uh, taken off all the nasty comments. And uh, I think that's one reason why the comment section has blossomed. Because you know that you can post something, your own thoughts and ideas, and I'm not gonna let somebody come on and slam you rudely. Uh, an exchange of thoughts, ideas, different opinions, that's great. But uh, some of the absolutely vulgar things that are printed, uh, you don't need to see them. I don't need to see them either, but I do. I'm sure that at the end of the day, Pilates and I believe differently about a lot of things. But on that point, I do tend to agree. The exchange of ideas can inflame emotions, but it doesn't have to. Because behind all ideas are people and people's experiences. There's a reason why for some people, when it comes to beliefs, it's easier to simply be hiding something instead of opening themselves up to ridicule or scorn. Even though we didn't solve the mystery of the missing people or Skinwalker Ranch, the Monolith, or the Galactic Federation, I hope this season did help us better understand something that's equally baffling. How we can listen to people we might not agree with and see the value in the people behind the ideas. Even if those ideas sometimes go down some pretty strange rabbit holes. Hiding Something is an ironclad production. Our post-production producer is Chandler Strang. And before I sign off officially for the season, I just want to say thank you to everyone who downloaded and listened to the show. It really, really means a lot. I got so many great messages uh, from people who, who enjoyed listening. And I want to let you know that we're already starting uh, work on season two. The best way to get updates about it is to stay subscribed to this feed, or you can follow me on Twitter over at Jesse Carey. And that's where I'll kind of uh, keep people posted on when season two will be launching. Hey, listen, thank you again, everyone. We'll see you next season.